0: www.thebiblelive.com Or mail your check
1: for The Bible Live to P.O. Box 18888 That's P.O. Box 18888 San Antonio, Texas 78218
0: Welcome to The Bible Live Quiz Hour (laughs) It's time to test and grow your knowledge of the Bible The entire Bible every year on Sunday nights at 9. Join us here for the Bible Live Quiz Hour. Soapy will ask questions from the Bible Live leads. You call in with the correct answers, and you win. It's just that simple. So get out your Bible, put on your thinking cap, and hit that speed dial. Because here's the host of the Bible Live, your Apache Indian scout through the Book of Books, Soapy Dollar.
2: All right. Oh, it's a little bit loud, but not a problem. Here we are. You good, Jacob? You're oh, I gonna... am always good. Now, the earphones can stand some in but I'm good.
3: <laughs> but you're fine, but the earphones can be adjusted a bit. Well, folks, I'm, I'm thank okay. you for joining us tonight. We are The Bible Live. We're ready to get started tonight. We're continuing our way through the Gospel of John now normally in our bible reading schedule each year we are reading the gospel of john during um during passover during uh the time of the observance celebration of resurrection resurrection sunday which is april 1st this year uh, but uh, somehow this, I, I think, it came a little earlier in the year on the schedule, and so we we weren't we were still back in the Second Kings, the week of. Uh, oh, is that right? The, yes. But but now we're we're into the Gospel of John. Last week we started the first nine chapters, and uh, tonight we'll we'll consider we'll continue our consideration of the Gospel of John, starting at verse uh, chapter ten through twenty one. And uh, Jacob and I, we got a chance to visit a bit before we the program tonight, as always. But uh, we've talked about some different matters, and, and um, so we're kind of going into the Gospel of John tonight. It it is the most, it is the more theological, I I think. Now, see, I, I don't know if if this would be accurate, um, if you would agree with this characterization. Uh, to me, John seems to be the one who deals more with the actual, uh, theology of the Messiah, the theology of redemption, the th- salvation and, and what, what, uh, the redemptive plan of God, uh, Matthew, you know, his targeting, he's speaking more particularly, especially to, uh, I guess the Jewish mentality of, uh, the Messiah, the King of Israel, that sort of thing, uh we generally look at we're taught, I I would say generally speaking, in our evangelical churches I I suppose I would say uh, that Matthew... Principally talks about Christ, the King, his his uh, Messianic role and his Messianic title and position. The, the Mark talks about Christ, the 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 servant role that he, he's ser- he serving others, giving his life to serve others, and so on. Uh, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, <laughs> Luke, the physician, the Greek uh, Luke, physician, Luke. talks about uh, the manhood, the Mita, humanity, Mita. the humanity of Christ, yeah, right? Meet What's Luke, that? Look. Look, look, the plane, the plane, master, the plane. Uh, well, anyway, nobody knows what we're talking about. You know, that was a long ago I did see the right, movie TV that, program. I did see that uh, movie that's on at the theaters right now called. Uh, I can only imagine or no. No,
2: well, we saw that. We saw that. But I, uh, There's about, another, yeah, the apostle about, about the apostle. Yeah.
3: Uh, talking about Paul, I
2: suppose it is, but it's really from Luke's point of view because oh, he's the guy that visits him in prison and all that kind of stuff. Huh. It, it's a somewhat a uh, mad imaginative, mm-hmm. but it's uh, but but it's a good it's a good movie. That's it's, what I
3: had heard that it was had a lot more, more dramatic uh, sort of uh, uh, it wasn't uh, strictly or particularly strictly uh, biblical or anything, but but that. It, remained somewhat faithful uh, to the idea of the of uh, the Apostle Paul. Well, that, that that's interesting as well. But uh, anyway, then we come to John, and, and um, it, it it is more theological and has raised so much so many questions. Jacob, in my own mind, these days, things that are going on in our world and the uh, and the, th- the things that you mentioned even before the program there is so much chaos it seems like there's so much chaos in the world that more and more uh labels are are becoming almost useless because they don't really describe they only describe groups social groups that people belong to they don't really describe in many cases or Maybe I would even go as so far as say most cases. They don't describe anymore what people actually believe. There was a time when someone said, you know, I'm, I don't know, I'm Catholic or I'm Baptist or I'm Presbyterian or I'm uh, this or that or the other. That, that meant something that described a little bit about what they actual actually think and believe. Now, I suspect the same thing goes on in the Jewish world. Is that true? <clears throat> what they believe some people, well some uh, some pe you've you've told me there are various groupings or various kind of uh
2: yeah, there's reformed what,
3: yeah. orthodox uh, yeah. well, the
2: difference is Hasidic it, all these yes, but the difference is. Uh, as, now, you can help me out on this, but I think in the Christian world, they have denominations, and the fact that it 's mentioned by demonation is just a coincidence but, <laughs> but i 'm joking i 'm joking oh, good i 'm glad but but all joking aside <laughs> uh, they you might call it denominations, but the difference is all Jews basically have the same fundamental theology. The difference among the groups is this. As that, how many of the commandments they think you should follow, the orthodoxesau well, say, "Hey, do them all. Uh, basically, the middle ground is, do the ones that apply to other places like in America, but not, but you don't have to do the ones that apply only in Israel. And the reform says, ah, just do what you can."
3: <laughs> whatever you have time for, I I guess yeah. or whatever. But
2: um, but the and the reform generally do not accept rabbinical thoughts. So that's really a difference. But as far as theology, it's one God the Ten Commandments, all that all the laws, all that kind of stuff. But so the difference is is not in an approach or theology as much as it is how many
3: of God's laws you should obey. So Hmm, that's interesting to me. Now, this is something I've wanted to ask you for a long time. I I guess maybe we have talked about it before. But to what degree here we are? I know our role here on the Bible Live radio program. Uh, We are here because of our devotion to and our recognition of the importance Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. of this book, this these, and uh, uh, yeah, there are even this is going to be. There are other books. There's apocryphal books and this and that and the other. But generally speaking, we're talking about these 66 books that make up what we call the Tanakh or uh, what is known today. Mm-hmm. Not, uh-huh. Uh-huh. not, uh, not in any way. Uh, Uh, belittling in any way, but just kind of a descriptive way the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures, uh, and on the other hand, what is called the New Testament, uh, the the Greek, uh, Testament, starting with the, the life and times of Jesus of Nazareth and then moving on into the first century, uh, the, the growth and expansion of, of the, um, of, um, of the movement. That resulted from the life and uh, the life and ministry of Jesus of Nazareth. OK, uh-huh. I'm trying to be very, very uh, diplomatic and, uh, and descriptive here. And this is part of the reason is because the,
2: the best lesson we could take of diplomacy is when the Russian uh, diplomats car was stolen in New York. They asked him. He wanted to complain about his car being stolen. But they asked him, "How do you feel about his, your car being stolen?" He said, "I'm very proud to announce my car has been stolen in New York."
3: <laughs> <laughs> Boy, that is, that's diplomacy at its best. I, I agree. But 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 my point is 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 that any more uh I, I was going to say you and i are trying our our attempt is to go take the actual bible itself the words themselves as they've come to us in english of course we we you know we read and speak english in this country and that's our, our primary language but we we try to get back back often to the uh the, the greek back to the hebrew back to the original languages when it when it helps clarify things and make it clearer yeah, and so but on but you know the truth is that very language and english is a
2: very strong very big language so it can be much more precise
1: mm-hmm.
2: it's sort of like greek but i think english is even more precise he he was a very small language so it, it's what they um, its I don't want to use this term, but it's called a poor language because it's very small. And so it's context and kind of intonation among many things. But in English, you can be much more precise. So in many ways, the English can be a little bit better than just trying to grab it from Eber.
3: Right. Uh, I, and, and I think, like you, I do agree that uh, research has brought us to the point that... Uh, that we really have some really remarkable texts now today. Uh, it, the versions that we—New American Standard, the New Living Translation, the others that are—that are. There's some remarkable information we've gleaned a great deal of, over the centuries now, with all the different uh, the extant manuscripts that exist that we can. We can take from those thousands of copies, and that helps us to come ra- to reconstruct uh, to a greater degree more accurate degree the the originals and so on so but but that's our that's our our particular passion, and that 's the point of view of this program is that we're we're really we 're not so much about Label, you know, this is what this group or this group or that group believes, and, and that's all right to do sometimes if it's helpful. But essentially, what we're trying to find out is what does the book itself actually say, and it's and that in and of itself is quite a task because there actually is not one book. It's in some ways, uh, in some ways, it is one book. There's a, there's a, uh, there is a consistency and there is a there is a line uh, there is a narrative throughout the entire bible that binds it together as one book but it's mm-hmm. 66 different books written over a period of about 1500 years and by 40 different authors and and we know the complexity of the book itself in the scriptures but in other words we get the privilege of just focusing on the text and what it says without labels and whether it's Baptist or this or that or the other, our primary – we know what we are. We're honest about where we are and, and uh, where we come from, our mentality. But, but our real passion is to go right to the book itself, read it, talk, and, and hear from our listeners, their take and their uh, experience with the Scriptures. But I, I'm getting all bound up here in, in details. But I, I guess what I want to say, Jacob, is that we're – It seems like we're living in a time when when labels are becoming almost meaningless because they don't stand for what somebody actually believes about god anymore or believes uh, you know about these things and i uh, like i said in the jewish world you've got orthodox you know Reformed, you got any you, you have messianic you have jews who are just as much jews as anybody else on the planet who believe that you know who who look to jesus as the messiah and he was the son of god that sort of thing and, and they're they're just as much Jews as anybody else I suppose right and so and in the, we ha- on our side we have these denominations as you call them and they're they're not just Name differences, some of them are based on on worship style, some of them are based on um, uh, just history uh, style of worship different uh, and and slight maybe less important doctrines and maybe uh, doctrines of of church governance how they how they govern themselves, and so on some things more particular to each group, uh, respectful of societies and language and cultures that they 're part of but um, but there 's a Fundamental unity about what they actually believe about God, uh, uh, the Father, the Son, the Spirit, the the redemptive plan of God, the Savior, the Messiah, the blah blah blah. You know, all blah blah blah. I shouldn't use that. Susan would say, "Don't say word, blah blah blah." I mean, "How st- about yada 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 yada?" <laughs> One of those two. But but I don't know. What I'm trying to say is that titles don't help anymore. And I I. It, I don't know if that's good. It's helpful, or if it's um, not, because the, the people. If someone says they're Orthodox. If someone says they're now, it maybe means more in the Jewish world. But when someone says they're Baptist or they're Catholic, or uh, t- to me, when I'm visiting with, uh, let's say, uh, men, young men and women out at Lackland in the Air Force, and people tell us their background and so on. I hear it, and I hear it with interest, you know, but I interpret it mainly as, well, that's what probably your family was, it's kind of what you were raised in or identify as, but if I really want to know what you believe about God, I have to actually talk to you and ask you and and, and discern from our conversation what it is you actually believe about God because in, in most people, even if they have a title of a group, even if they are Baptist or the Catholic or this or that. To be very honest, most people don't even really know what their own group believes. Oh yeah. You know what yikes. their identity is primarily one of uh, their family history. Their you know the this is what I I grew up Lutheran and so. But if you really get to what do actually Lutherans believe? well I'm not quite sure. I, you know I've never got that much into it or whatever. So I don't know. our, are our, our, are, are Jews the same? It seems like Jews would be more intentional. If you're reformed, you're reformed because of a reason, or are the, or do you see the same phenomenon? People who they're raised up and they were this or that, and yeah, we come from
2: well, that background. All these but people come from they tend to keep what they were raised with, of course.
3: But uh, but does it reflect faithfully what they actually believe? The most are they? Uh, I would say more so in the Orthodox.
2: Uh, and also perhaps in the middle ground, the conservatives, because that's the middle ground, in the reform, um, the uh, I would say reform I find to be uh, the most uh, uncommitted to anything in particular and very flexible.
3: And but there's still... They, they still go to they still go to services. Uh, they still yeah. involved in the yeah, life yeah. of the uh-huh. community. Sure. You know, we talk uh-huh. a lot about community sure. a lot in these days. Um, so wow, that we we got a it, it's, it's a challenge really when you talk to me about what they actually what we actually believe about God and what we actually believe about uh, the scriptures and so on. Uh, uh-huh. To me, it's it's um. It's a real challenge. And uh, Well, something
2: has been troubling you for the last 12 minutes. So yeah, what, you can tell. Why don't you uh, just
3: let all of us in on that? I'll tell, you, tell the audience and I'll listen. Well, here, here's the thing, uh, is that we're in the Gospel of John, and uh-huh. John is actually, he seems to be one who is more theological, more interested in here's what actually, you know, here is the nature of God. You have, you know, he, he, he talks more about the nature of God, the nature of the Messiah, the the characteristics, the attributes of of the Messiah, and so on, uh, and lays them out in more of a th- th- God centered sort of a thing. And so, that I'm looking at this. Maybe the Gospel of John is an opportunity to actually talk a little bit more about. Well, I will tell what you it is it we believe I, about I think God? There's,
2: I, I think texturally, there's support for what you're saying. And I'll tell you why. Because there is something in the book of John Mm -hmm. that probably, I think Matthew and the other books just kind of assume. Certain things that mm-hmm. you're familiar with. It. John tends to be a little more detailed. I know Luke is always giving credit for being precise, and maybe he was Greek, and that's why he is. But the
3: but in John, you get his precision. I think primarily was his in the historical sense. He gives yeah. dates, yeah. he gives names, sure. he gives times, and uh-huh. yeah. But John actually is the only
2: book that I am familiar with that actually gives the definition that's required for the Messiah. There is in John is the requirement for the Messiah. It's the only book. Huh. And it usually shocks people. To, if you'll pardon the pun, Kingdom Come.
3: Well, that's a, that's an interesting uh, statement you made there because we've talked. To, I've 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 heard your comments on this. Not not this particular, but see, I, I we think of uh, mm-hmm. the support for the Messiah. Uh, essentially, the it, it, we think of. I I don't even know who I'm talking about, but what I've taught, I have been taught, is that the the the. Mm, the the support for the idea that Jesus of Nazareth was the Messiah has four essential uh, aspects. One is prophetic; mm-hmm. the prophecies fulfilled. Uh, the Old Testament does speak of the yes, Messiah. Yes, but and so see, on.
2: while that's all true, what you're uh-huh. saying that being true, so I'm not dismissing any of that. I know you're not. But. That's not the requirement for the Messiah. And in John, they actually say what is the requirement.
3: Would it would it would have to be one of the requirements? Well, because okay, if, if someone didn't fulfill any of them, uh, I mean, or, or well, let, let's be honest, that
2: would make There it. probably was a whole bunch of guys named Jesus. Yeah, uh, there probably was a whole bunch of guys born in Bethlehem. Maybe, and there's a whole bunch of Jews that we know that got crucified. So there's many, many things that I have in similar things. But there's something that's the requirement. And what uh, tends to be looked at as being a challenging, and I think sometimes it was, uh, a challenging, a confrontation of the Pharisees and Sadducees of Jesus is actually the requirement Whoa. How about that? Well, I
3: but, want us to get to that because I'd like to a, uh, I'll
2: tell you what it is. You'll find it in John chapter 16,
3: verse 30. Okay, 1630. I oh. think I remember that, but then I want to get to it. No,
2: should we go, go yeah, to the we have. Uh, I know we've had uh, several calls or something to come in. John, why don't we go start with the first one, and then we'll go from there.
3: I believe the first one is, is uh, uh, our friend Harold. Let's see. Uh, Harold, are you with us? Yes, I am. I'm glad to hear your voice tonight. Did I confuse you enough with my my convoluted uh, intro to the program tonight? I uh, I just kind of been pondering this and running it through my mind. It's something has been growing on me over the months, uh, weeks, months uh, in the past. Our world seems to be kind of. Everything getting confused. That yeah, actually and, Sophie's John Travolta impersonation. Yeah. He grabbed his hair and he <laughs> said, I'm so confused. I'm so confused. But anyway, uh, let's know what, what's on. Are you responding to some of that, or did you have a completely different something you wanted to bring up?
4: Well, I can respond to that. Yeah, the world is not quite the way it was. You know, when we grew up, uh, you know, it was easy to say, you know, I'm a Baptist or, my sister would say I'm a Pentecostal, you know, and and usually like it
3: seems to like we understood that. If someone said they were Methodist or Baptist or Presbyterian or this or Catholic or it 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 tended to communicate to us, "Oh, I, then I have a general yeah, idea but, of what you believe." You know, but but it seems like nowadays the label on the bottle doesn't necessarily tell you what's inside the bottle at all.
4: Well, that's what happens you know and i'm learning in my older age i really didn't know what i believed either and you know we just had these labels on us and myself included did we do we really understand what the word of god says what the bible says mm. you know not really uh you can discuss you can show another baptist friend um uh, not a verse but you can memorize a verse and tell him that verse and he'll say what version do you have and i'll say <laughs> well it's the king james version and he'll say "He you sure talking out of some other theology or some other religion and so we we all oh are words. lacking and under and even knowing what's in our own bibles you know and that's what a com one of the conflicts is is we're upset with each other because we're not even on the same page. Wow. And, uh, but it, anyway, you know, uh, I didn't mean to talk about that, but, you know, about Well, I'm you glad know, you. I, I
3: appreciate the the perspective, though. I really do. Thanks.
4: Yeah, well, uh huh. What and, was on uh, your well, mind? <laughs> well, it was kind of strange, you know, since, you know, I, I kind of believe in the uh, Holy Ghost and stuff like that and kind of spooky things here. Amen. Unexplained, amen. Unexplained. Unexplained. And, you know, my wife and I were sitting at, Barnes and Nobles, and I treat my Bible very, very delicate, where I probably don't even want to turn a page too much. Mm-hmm. And I was, i it was back in Mark, uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 36, and I was pondering that verse a little bit. Then he put the little child among them, talking to the child in his arms, and Diana walked off. She was going to go walk around the block or something over there, like she does, and I looked down and a drop of coffee dropped on the. On the Bible. And I thought, oh my God. So it left this little stain and finally it dried. I said, what is this thing on top of? And so I looked at the verse and it's just above. It's uh, Mark chapter 9, verse 31. Uh For he wanted to spend more time with his disciples and teach them. He had said to them, the Son of Man is going to be betrayed. And I I know that's a little bit of what y'all probably talked about last week, but I just thought right then, why is he saying the son of man? Maybe they didn't realize he wasn't the son of God yet because he hasn't resurrected. But that's something y'all can discuss later if you like. Sure. Just one comment to me that's really important. Uh, there's a co-worker I have at work. He's probably my age. And he had had to run off. He's going to miss a few days because his grandson, about seven, he's fixing to have some open-heart surgery. He's he, he had kind of said, "Well, I'm, I'm glad everything's going well for you." And you know, when people are under this stress, they tend to say things that they don't really mean to say. And I said, "Well, what do you want me to do? Well, will you, will you pray for him?" And I said, "Well, you know what? I'll do. I'll tell Soapy Dollar on the radio if you don't mind." He goes, "No, you have my permission." You know, and the, and the grandfather's name is Reuben. And uh, I said, "You know what? I call the show this weekend. I'm going to say, you know." I'm going to tell the radio show that that this young man, 7 years old, he's having open heart surgery and every 5 or 6 years or every 10 years they have to do something to his heart to keep it up as he grows. And so Anyway, that's what I wanted to say and that was the most important thing to me so far tonight. But Great. Anyway, Harold, I'll let thanks. y'all go.
3: You bet. Thanks for calling in. I appreciate it. We All will right. be praying. We will be lifting up this uh this uh, person that you, you described to us, Reuben, and we'll be praying for them. There's our music. We've okay. got to take a thank okay. you for calling, friend. Uh, Harold is called in. You can too. Three four zero ninety five eighty five, and we've already used up our first segment there. But we'll be back in just a minute after these brief announcements and continue with the Bible Live. Give us a call. Three four zero ninety five eighty five.
1: Living for the Lord leaves a lasting legacy. Our Daily Bread. Today's encouragement from the Our Daily Bread devotional was written by David Roper. David writes, some years ago, our sons and I spent a week on an abandoned backcountry ranch on the Salmon River, Idaho's river of no return. One day exploring the ranch, I came across an ancient grave with a wood marker. "'Whatever inscription the marker may have borne had long since been weathered away. "'Someone lived and died, now was forgotten. "'The gravesite seemed tragic to me. "'After we got home, I spent several hours reading about the history of the old ranch and that area, "'but could find no information about the person buried there. "'They say that the best among us is remembered for a hundred years or so. "'The rest of us are soon forgotten.' The memory of past generations, like our markers, soon fades away. Yet our legacy has been passed on through the family of God. How we've loved God and others in our lifetime lives on. Malachi 3:16 through 17 tells us, A book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who esteem his name. They will be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I prepare my own possession. Paul said of David in Acts 13 that he served God's purpose in his own generation and departed. Like him, may we love the Lord and serve him in our generation and leave the remembering to him. They will be mine, says the Lord. To get our daily bread and print or book visit getodbtoday.org. Today's encouragement was provided by our Daily Bread Ministries. Find out more about your favorite programs and the ministries on AM630 The Word by going to the program guide at am630theword.com. There you'll get connected to the ministry website, email, and phone number. Plus, find out when your favorite show airs on the program guide at am630theword.com. listening to the Bible live with Soapy dollar all right we are
3: back and uh, ready to uh, try to get on into the text into the passages We're actually of, of the, talk the gospel about of John okay. yeah and uh, get into the scriptures and uh, uh, I, I I had one in particular I wanted to look at, but then I know sure, you've sure. got no, some no, stuff too. Sure, no, please go right ahead. Go right I, I I was interested. At John, just treat this like it was your show. Yeah. John, <laughs> John talks so much. I, I think more than the other uh, gospel writers, but the others uh, definitely mention uh, the Holy Spirit. John talks a lot about the comforter and that the, that Jesus is going to send another like me you know you know like him you know the and they go into the Greek verb and the Greek i mean the Greek adjective, what it means by like me and so on and so on uh, so we have this this promised comforter this this uh, and, and and it's not a, a thing, or it's not a force, or it's not you know some kind of a impersonal force or influence. It, 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 he speaks of the Holy Spirit in very personal he You're terms, talking, personal that's your, pro- that's pronouns. That's your question number twelve, right? Yes, uh uh-huh. mm-hmm. Twelve and thirteen. Awesome. Uh, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the the in the new in the uh, New Testament, and of course, in the Gospel of John. Here, that the Holy Spirit is is prominent. So the Holy Spirit is the Comforter. The Comforter, yes. So somebody just tuned in,
2: and they hear the word Comforter. Would it be fair to say you're talking about the Holy Spirit?
3: Yes, in this, that's the way it's that's the way it's translated from the 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 Greek word idea is Comforter. Mm -hmm. Uh, There there are other translations. There are other terms that are given. The actual the Greek word is the paraclete or the one who comes alongside, Mm -hmm. uh, that's the literal meaning of the word paraclete, uh, the one who escorts us, the one who is comforted, that lifts us. He's the encourager. Uh, it's mentioned in another phrase for him, but the Holy spirit is mentioned so very many times and promised by Jesus that, that, he says, "I've got to go away. It's necessary that I leave you." Talking to his disciples, uh, and of course, as we just read, he tells them, "I'm going to go to Jerusalem. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be killed, and I'll, but I'll rise in three days, and so on." But so he tells them that, and and quite often he ends up by saying, and, "And it's necessary in that sense that I go away, because why? Because then the Father." is going to send
2: so he's the talking comforter, to the his, Holy Spirit. Let's set the setting here. He's talking to his disciples, Yeah. and he says, I'm going to send the comforter. And as I'm reading it, because it talks about the Holy Spirit in your question 13, mm-hmm. so, I mean, would it generally, for our purposes right here,
3: are you saying the comforter would be the Holy Spirit? The Holy Spirit, yes. That, uh, that's how, I, I think that's the only way to understand right, well, it so, from the he text. He says, yeah. I'm
2: going to send it. So
3: he actually says the father uh, will send the spirit. The father will send it. Yes. So
2: when does he do that? Pentecost. Ah. Now, now, now let me take le- uh, shall we take a journey together through the book Yeah, of John? we
3: we we talked about this before, but let me just clarify one thing. When we say when it's said that I and see I don't know Sometimes I don't know I'm sure Jesus is aware of this too, but we we only have language, we only have words to deal with, and for example, what I'm trying to say is that it isn't like the holy Spirit the Father sent the Holy Spirit once Jesus had ascended, the Father sends the Holy Spirit to earth, and it's the first time the Holy Spirit's ever been on planet earth well that's not what we mean by he sent. Yeah it's not a matter you, god is spirit right those who worship him must worship in truth and spirit so well, the, i personally think he's beyond spirit but oh okay uh, that that's but what i'm trying to say uh-huh. he's not we do believe he's omniscient that he's everywhere present he is, at all times so right. so in that sense the holy spirit had already is already here he's right. here he's everywhere right. present uh, but what he's saying is that the Father, the Holy Spirit, is going to come. In, it's not that he's going to physically come and a of, It's well, that he's going to come in a. He's going to begin to relate in a new way to God's people. Would it be people. fair and possible that before Pentecost,
2: which occurs in the Book of Acts, uh-huh. is that correct? It would be fair to say that since he's dealing with his disciples, that's our setting. And you talk about these verses. He says, "I'm going to give you a comforter, the mm-hmm, Holy Spirit." Mm-hmm. Would it be fair to say he May be giving it to them before Pentecost? The answer would be yes, and I'll tell you where to
3: find it. Well, that's when he breathed on them and he said, Receive got the Holy it. Spirit. Oh, yeah. you're good, so You know that Bible, don't you? <laughs> well, uh, uh, look. And that's, that's John chapter 21, yeah. verse 22. Let's look at it because it's important to this particular conversation. It is,
2: it very much is.
3: John, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. He uh, he tells them in other passages that he's going to sin. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. And then he seems to do it. In John 21, he says. Uh, uh, 21, 22. Yep. Oh, is that where he says. Yeah, it's, it's John chapter
2: 20, verse 21,
3: 22. Okay, there you go. Um. Uh, that evening, the disciples were meeting behind locked doors because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders. Suddenly, Jesus was standing among them. Peace be with you. And he spoke. He showed them the wounds in his hands and his side. They were filled with joy when they saw him. And again, he said, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. Then he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven um, Could I read that those yes, two verses please.
2: from the NSAB because I, I think that's a little bit better translation. Okay, good. Uh-huh, go ahead. And it's a Christian Bible, and it says uh, twenty two, twenty three. It says, and when he had said this, he breathed on them, and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Twenty three, and if you forgive sins of any, their sins, uh, I ha- uh, sins their sins, uh, have been forgiven. Then if he retained their sins, then they have not been forgiven. So he said he breathed on them. And he says, so his breath is giving the Holy Spirit.
3: Well, that that's that's a way of yes, that's one way of looking at that in that moment the, there are a number of different ways of understanding the passage. Well, One, he's
2: just talking to his guys.
3: Yeah, he's this with his This is his, his group. Mm-hmm. He's
2: not talking to you or me or anybody else. Yeah. He's talking just to his guys traveling with him. They've been eating lunch together a lot,
3: you know. And he says, I, I'm I'm sending you in the same way the Father sent me. I'm now sending you. Uh, w- w- it, see, to me it all makes perfect sense, but uh, I'm not sure how if I'm tracking, if people are thinking along the same lines as I am. But he says... Um, uh, he says, "Breathe uh, and remember the word for s- spirit in both Hebrew and Greek is uh, th- the same. Mm-hmm. Uh, in in Greek, I know it's pneuma. Uh, the pneuma. Um, uh, that's why we get the idea of pneumatic tires. Mm-hmm. You know, air tire, filled tires. Uh, so and so." It, so I could say if I if I pull up need air in my tire, I could say, "Would you put some Holy Spirit in?" That some place? pneuma, yeah, some air. But but the idea of breath and <laughs> so he. Uh, it, it, It could be here in the context. He's talking about their role now as as he leaves. They're going to he now they have this commission to do what the father sent him to do. Now he's sending them to do uh, to seek and save the lost as well. Remember, and, and he says there that what you release as we. The way we understand it is we share. It doesn't mean that we forgive people's sins. Well, the sins. plain reading of it does
2: seem to say, "So he breathed on them and said, here, receive the Holy Spirit.'" Yeah. To me, it's a pretty plain
3: reading. Well, I know there it is, and uh, it, it, and I don't have any problem if, in that moment, he imparted the Spirit to them. Uh, I don't. Have, I kind of think that he is again reminding them of his promise, and that this is going to. And he said, you're going to receive the spirit. You're going to. Uh, to me, he was still, which they we did shortly. Yeah, he did. Versus
2: you were pointing out in your question 12 and 13. He does say, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. Mm-hmm. And uh, unless I'm wrong and I may be wrong. But it seems like that's when he did it.
3: Yeah, I, I I don't really have a problem with that. We know that something very dramatic and special happened at Pentecost when it became manifestly clear that this is going to be the a, a principle, this is going to be a common thing that's going to happen for every believer. The Spirit of God is going to come now and to begin to relate to his people in a different way. The In the former times, in the Hebrew Scriptures, the, the Tanakh and... and the, the Holy Spirit came upon individuals for a certain time of service, a certain task, a certain challenge, a certain purpose. Uh, but the Holy Spirit could also leave, as with Saul. You know, the Holy Spirit departed from Saul, and in and the, in the, in we see in the Tanakh and in other passages. So it doesn't. Seem, but here we're talking about. It. He seems to be introducing a new era in which God's Spirit now is going to come and. That's a good play on words. What did I say? A a new era. Yeah, A-I-R. A new era. (laughs) A new era. No, I didn't mean that. But anyway, but he's now going to come on every believer, and he's going to permanently uh, indwell is the word. And the the base of that word is the idea of tabernacle, tabernacle with us. He is going to just as the tabernacle was God's manifest presence in the camp of Israel all through the, the wilderness and the wanderings of 40 years, now the Holy Spirit is with each of us. He is our faithful guide and escort to glory. To every believer now is going to be the the application. And that's what the book of Acts is centered upon is it's that transition. Uh, in the opening chapters one and two, we see the, the the Spirit coming and beginning to relate to his people in a different way, Gentiles and Jews. The Spirit of God comes to, upon upon those who, by faith, come into that relationship with God, and and he's, and he's with us now. Constantly uh, escorting us, guiding us, te- and and Jesus Himself says He'll lead you, know, you into all truth. from an
2: outsider's point of view, can I tell you my trouble with this?
3: Yeah, mm-hmm.
2: as and I'm I'm really sincere. I, I
3: understand. I don't, and don't worry. I and,
2: and from and in uh, no way am I trying to criticize. Or, I know you Doubt, but I am. I do get concerned because, especially in the Christian world, I talked to you know several preachers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so often, even devout Christians, they'll come back and say, oh, well, the Holy Spirit's guiding me. It's leading me to understand. It's telling me stuff. Well, in the first
3: place, when they talk about the Holy Spirit with the word it, right off the bat, I have a problem. Okay. Aside from that. He's not an it. He's a he. Perhaps (laughs) that's my poor word choice. Oh, okay. But if they say it. Okay, but let's say,
2: let's clean that up. We'll leave that out because that offends you. He did. So let's talk. uh, What I'm trying to talk about is this. If the Holy Spirit is talking to six different people and telling them six different things, I've only, there's only two possibilities. One, they're not telling the truth, or two, the Holy Spirit is not to be trusted because he's telling different people different things. Yeah, no problem. I don't have and any problem that with at all. that confuses me.
3: I, I that, get a little nervous, too, when people use it. That's a, that's a conversation stopper. <laughs> Say it that way. Uh, God told me, the Holy Spirit told me that, this... And there's nothing that can be said about that except that uh, I, I think it would be generally accepted that the Holy Spirit will never tell us to do something that contradicts the revealed Word of God, the command you know, that God so has given that us. glad you said that. So here's
2: my issue that comes from that because that's actually okay. ultimately where I end up. Okay. I, uh, how do you, not you, but I mean, how do mm-hmm. we, let's say, how do we know that if somebody says the Holy Spirit's saying do something, this personal revelation, shall we call it, and you said it wouldn't go against the Word of God, how do you know it's against the Word of God if you don't know what the Bible says?
3: There you go. That was my entire conversation with the person of the program. That's what I was trying to say is that... <laughs> We've lost touch with the book. We've lost touch with what what, what the commands of God are, and what we really are supposed, and what what the instructions tell us. And and then we just kind of go off on. Well, I have this feeling, and I'm gonna, I am going to I am going to put that down as the Holy Spirit told me to do this. And, and it's just it, it just leads found, to chaos.
2: And as much as I hate to say it, but honesty is an important thing, and uh, I, I I try to cling on to honesty. Uh, I don't always do it, but truth has become somewhat of a little uh, a little habit with me. And when I hear stuff, I have found that many people that are using the, the club of the Holy Spirit, all they're doing is they're wanting to win the argument, and they're wanting to beat somebody down in submission saying, no, I'm right because God's telling me so.
3: As long as I say that, then... Yeah, that's yeah.
2: what I have found, and I have found that, because yeah, I do agree with you, I don't think if there's a Holy Spirit talking to somebody, he's not going to say something, do something against what God's laws are, let's say. Mm-hmm. And if they say that, then I, and I always got to say, well, no, that's not what it says. But I have found that if people don't know, they have no idea. What the rules were, what laws God made, and if, then I'm free to make up anything I want to make exactly up.
3: Exactly right, and that's what I, part of the chaos that I'm talking about. When we lose touch with the objective Word of God, that the, the the clear instructions and guidelines. Now, look, I'm not naive enough to say that it's po- totally, absolutely clear. Obviously. Uh, god's word it, it, it's you have to do a little work if you're going to get below the surface you have to see what it says know what it says you kind of t- see the context, compare Scripture to Scripture, and that's that's a lifetime of, of delving into God's Word and and having a, jo- a joy and a delight in studying the Scriptures. That's why you need to be in church uh, to hear God's Word open and read and shared with others and people talking about it and interacting about its meaning. Um, it's not just believe what you want to believe. And uh, See, on the other hand, it, it's not like it's not like we're going to we're going to be sent well, to hell times, or let's talk, let's because talk about we about something concrete okay uh,
2: how many times yeah. have you heard people say uh oh well in the old testament uh-huh uh, god there were they had slaves and god authorized slavery mm mm-hmm. mhm and yet, whenever I Uh-oh. hear that, over and over again, I, yeah. I, I hear it over and over again. And then, the minute I hear somebody say that, I know two things: they're operating on what they, somebody told them, or something they think, but they have not read it because slavery is slavery was 100 percent banned by God in what we call the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. In fact, it was so banned that if you did it, it was a death penalty. And so when I hear people say, oh, no, they had slaves and God allowed slavery, and I, and I must say, that was not God sneezing. It um, <laughs> wasn't soapy either. <laughs> um, but, uh, but my point is, is that I know when somebody says that, that they're saying, oh, God's unfair. And that, to me, is the danger of lies and falsehood. And
3: because you hear that so very well, much if on television. And
2: somebody tells a lie about
3: God... You'll hear a Whoopi Wall, uh, whatever her name is, yeah, Wolberg, or well, yeah, I've forgotten her Wahlberg. name, Whoopi yeah. Goldberg. Yeah, yeah that them, that's the stage off about, name, by the way, that's not her name. Okay, but, but you'll hear them spout off, about, well, yeah. the Bible talks about right. slavery. See, they and say makes that,
2: and, and the only thing you can do is to somebody say, where does it say that? You must pin them down. And and usually they can't because they haven't read it. But what they do is that's the real danger of lying. Because when you lie, especially about the Bible or God, and somebody else hears it, they think, that God must be a bad guy. And what you've done is you've blasphemed, you've actually created a slander against God. So if somebody says that, and I hear that, I think, you know, what they're doing is, and the person they're talking to, I hate to say this, many times can't say, no, that's just not true. Show me where that's at. I'll mm-hmm. show you where it says exactly the opposite. Mm-hmm. And the failure to know makes a, a listener, what happens is I found the listener comes away with a bad attitude about God. Because right. they think he's unfair. Because how many times have we heard or God they, in the Old Testament totally bad confused. guy,
3: but Jesus is a sweetheart. Or they're just totally confused. You know, they... They love God, they admire God, and they, they believe in the heart of hearts that God is good and great. And, and then you get this, and they go, oh, man, I don't know that. That's, that I, don't, I don't understand that. And they just go away. Confused and maybe shaken a bit in their understanding, but but holding on tightly to their fundamental well, belief that God is there the and God is good. As one
2: concrete example, but I hear that so many times by so many different people, and I sit back and I think, now where are they getting it? And I have found the most effective way of doing to say, well, I'm w- willing to listen to it. Where give me a chapter and verse. In Fact, I'm not. I won't say a name. Do not worry. Mm-hmm. But there's another guy that comes on the radio. And he says stuff all the time, and I wonder, and and occasionally, uh, I don't call him, but I'll call and speak to whoever is taking this calls and mm-hmm. say, ask him to please give a chapter and verse on that, because he can't, because it's not there. And I'm thinking, what about all the people that are listening to him? And I'm thinking, there are people that have never touched the Bible. All they know is what they hear somebody say. And if you tell somebody that, and they believe it, they're not holding it against the lying person. They're holding it against God,
3: mm. and it's a lie. Mm-hmm. Well, that's part of the chaos and the confusion that I was kind of addressing when we come in. We, I don't know. We've we've gotten away from the book. We don't let it inform us more. And I and I, to be honest too, it's not. I'm not sure. It, I'm not quite sure if it's just a matter of uh, of uh, research and and. Because here we are, two two men who who love God's word. We we think of it as God's word. We understand, but yet, like we point out many times, we we've come to it. We've come to our knowledge and our understanding of the scriptures from different angles and perspectives and life experiences. Well, and so know, even we are not. Yeah. We we still have to wrestle with it and and with each other and tug and and to come to some sense of. Compatibility and right. see that oh I see what you're saying and oh I and and that's essentially right. we find out ultimately many times we find oh I think we are actually saying the same thing but yeah, we're just yeah and that's happened many times especially when
2: we first started talking mm-hmm. many times in all fairness and I'll blame myself uh, I would think and talk past you me too and so what happened is but I, as time has developed I've learned that sometimes we mean the same thing but we might have a different vocabulary for mm-hmm. it. And, uh, but but I have learned like and I was talking about the Holy Spirit's important but and I know so I want to go ahead and take that call
3: rich and then we'll talk. okay we'll bring him into the conversation with us perhaps Hi rich how are you tonight
5: I'm doing pretty good sophie Jacob hey uh, glad to hear you uh, uh, since uh, last Sunday was uh, Easter Sunday uh-huh. uh, something has been making me awful curious. Uh, I'm not uh, for anybody having little enjoyments uh, out of life, little treats and stuff. Mm -hmm. But I am wondering one thing. How did the uh, resurrection get turned into Easter baskets and chocolate bunnies? (laughs) Rich...
3: I don't know. I don't know. It happened before I was born. I'm sure because I think even when I was a young kid, we went and uh, at the boys' home, uh, the place I was raised, and we went and t- and looked for Easter eggs. I don't even really know where it came from, and maybe that's uh lack on my part. Maybe I should be more informed about these things. But uh, I, I, you could Google it, and they'll tell you. You can Google it, and they'll tell you why eggs—something uh, to do with new life—and uh, why. <clears throat> I'm, I'm thinking it
5: wasn't. I'm thinking it wasn't a Christian that thought of it.
3: I, I'm. I don't know. Shoot, I don't even know where it came from, to tell you the truth, Rich. How it became okay. Easter bunnies and chocolate eggs, I don't know. Maybe I didn't ask those serious questions because I liked chocolate eggs so much, well, or something. I don't know. Rich just
5: done on me the other day. I'm thinking, how did something so
2: serious? Yes, Rich, did,
3: did I? It did seems to trivialize it in you, a way. Did
2: I ever tell you about that friend of mine that adopted a rabbit that had been used in, uh, by scientists at a university for drug testing? No. Yeah, he did. He adapted it because they, they do away with these animals. Or you can adopt them. So he adopted this bunny, and it had been used in drug testing. And he he had to get it off of the drugs. And he finally got it off drugs. In fact, it's the first time you might say a rabbit was, or a habit was pulled out of a rabbit.
3: Oh, my. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, I knew. I I was going to warn you, Rich. I I smelled that coming. Something is something. This has got to have a. Uh, um, a funny ending here. But anyway, I, I, Google that, and maybe I can Google it in our next break, and too, and we'll, we'll get an idea of when those came into to be. But I agree, the same thing happens maybe with other times at Christmas, and this, that, and the other. Um, part of that is not everybody universally respects and loves the idea of uh, Resurrection Sunday and the celebration of Jesus, and so I, I suppose yeah. uh, other people have to, they want to Get involved, and so they make up some other kind of uh, approach to it. You know, some other means. It might someone. be
5: might be for money too. You know,
3: that wouldn't be surprising.
5: Many, uh, greed, and money do a lot of things to people.
3: Uh, okay, I'm gonna let you go, Sophie. Appreciate it, Rich. Thank you for calling. That's all a part of, though, of of, uh, and, and I suppose this is not just true in our particular age and time. Uh, well,
2: I do know the famous verse that Jesus goes into the temple, turns over the table of Easter
3: eggs. <laughs> <laughs> now, when that when that gets to be the change, then I think that might be too much for anybody. But I don't know. I'm, you know, um, Harold asked the question about the Son of Man, uh, and I think I'd like to. Uh, I, I believe the Son of Man. Basically, it, it is a messianic title, and it come uh, primarily, I think Daniel spoke greatly about the Son of Man, uh-huh. uh, and, and to do this, do that, and and it's essentially uh, uh, my understanding. It is just another way of talking about the, the Messiah, his role. That well, you're son a son of, of God, you're son, a son of man, and so am I, and I'm a son uh-huh. of God. Yes. Uh-huh. Well, yes, and, and so yeah.
2: it you. I, I think it goes back to Adam, because Adam in Hebrew is Adamah. Which is means earthly, so dirt or earthly. So uh, Adam was also born just like Jesus from God only, mm-hmm. uh, from the earth, and he is basically Adamah. He's from the earth, so he is an earthly man. However, Jesus didn't come from the earth. He came from a woman, a human mm-hmm. being. Mm-hmm. Therefore, while well, Adam is uh, from an earthly man, Jesus, a son of man. So it, And the term is, I've always understood it, and he writes in Daniel and Ezekiel, it's all over the mm-hmm. place. And I think what it's talking about is is that I wasn't formed like Adam, out of the dirt. My maternal progenitor was uh, a female, a human, so I am the son of man. Son of man. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, that's essentially as 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 far as i can go is i i just I do know that it didn't begin. Jesus was, he often used that title for himself. Uh, he didn't, uh, he also received worship. He didn't correct his disciples when it says they worshiped him or Thomas says to him, uh, remember Thomas is the one who said, uh, until I see the, the wounds in his hand and the sword in his side, I'm not going to believe that he's resurrected. I, he wasn't there when Jesus had appeared. And so then we have this record, Jesus appears and he tells Thomas, come touch the wounds in my my hands and so on and thomas is oh my lord and my god it, it wasn't like jesus goes oh no 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 thomas you got it wrong i you know i i'm not god i you know he he receives it he uh okay <laughs> thanks john john's let me know that our music has begun the segment the, is over this is
2: the he wrote this book we're be talking about like, the book of john
3: <laughs> exactly right not that john right well, folks, give us a call, 340-9585. We'd like to hear you about these topics, and uh, we'll be back right after these messages. There is hope.
2: This is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar.
3: He's not finished with us yet. yet. Maybe that's the kind of the answer to my question here is that uh, God's not through yet, and He's going to continue to teach us. One of the functions of the Holy Spirit, we see uh, that Jesus mentions, is that He is. Uh, one of the ways he's going to deal with his people. Now, we're talking about the Holy Spirit in relationship to believers, to those who know him and are walking with him by faith, <laughs> uh, uh, are God's people, uh, that he is going to lead us into all truth. He's going to teach us. He's going to guide us. He's going to, he supervises so the role of transformation. So that brings me to my original question. Yes. How are you going to know if it's truth or not? Uh, the The Scriptures. To me, that, that, there we have that God's Spirit is never going to lead us or, or teach us something that's contrary to the revealed Word of God. Now, that's not, that sounds kind of, that sounds sort of, mm, what's the word, that sounds sort of fast and fixed and, and, and kind of rigid, uh, but because the holy the, the the scriptures give us principles they give us guidelines and commands but we obviously it's a complex world we live in the holy spirit it, but i know i i think the scriptures i'll just go with that yeah. the scriptures the bible says this he's not going to say for example someone says to me uh oh um i'm married but but I I found this other girl. She really completes me. And, and the Holy Spirit is just telling me, you know, I need yeah. to leave my wife and go do this. I said, no, that that just you're fooling yourself. You're deceiving yourself. God's Spirit's not going to tell you to, to do something yeah. totally contrary. But of course, God's Spirit knows the nuances of life as well in terms of infidelity or this or that or the other. And so, well, you uh, know,
2: as a matter of fact, I heard today from somebody they were saying because they were making a point about uh, uh, that uh, some people in our world think that animals are equivalent or equal to human beings, mm-hmm. and uh, I would uh, later I text the person I said, you know, I do believe that animals may be equivalent to human beings because I know this uh, person that performed uh gave vows and performed a wedding ceremony in two cocker spaniels. And sure enough, they did not live up to their vows. They broke them. So maybe they are equivalent to most human beings.
3: Yeah, yeah. It's uh, almost funny (laughs) if it weren't just too close to the truth anymore. But let's get to the Gospel of John. Let's use this segment segment to actually – I know you circled some things. The the thing that I had focused on there was the person and work of the Holy Mm -hmm. Spirit – John speaks of the Spirit prominently, but uh, tell me some of the things that caught your well, attention. Well, the
2: thing is, is that uh, in chapter sixteen thirty, what I was, uh-huh. uh huh, verse
3: thirty. I still have that. Uh,
2: well, what I was referring to is this. You see, uh, where is that? Sixteen. Uh, okay, I'm flipping to it, and I'm stalling. While oh, I'm getting, I have arrived.
3: Okay, I've got All it too. Right.
2: And it says uh, thirty and thirty-one. It says now. Now this is his disciples talking to him. Mm-hmm. And it, I've always really found this the most fascinating verse of everything because when the Sadducees and the Pharisees are asking questions, it's right, it's right to ask the questions. A guy shows up and says, I'm the Messiah. Well, how do you know? You're supposed to ask questions. And, and his disciples, look what it says in 30 and 31. It says in 30, now we know that you know all things and have, we have no need for anyone to question you. By this we believe that you came from God, 31. And Jesus answered them and said, Do you now believe? Now, the point is that if a preacher shows up, or even the Messiah, you should ask questions. But the danger is, how do you know if the answers are correct? So, the point is, this is the standard that really uh, uh, the uh, the disciples are looking at, and I'm going to suggest that from a jewish point of view this is important because the jews actually have a statement they say especially in the orthodox world even today Mm -hmm. when they can't answer a question or they're confused by something they'll come back and always say well we'll ask the messiah when he gets here because it's understood that the messiah will know the bible the entire thing, Mm -hmm. and he will explain all things. So knowing that that's the standard, when I read this, I say, whoa. They say, we don't have to ask you any more questions because you know all things. That is the Jewish, even today, that's the Jewish standard for determining Messiah.
3: And that's part of what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit. He says he won't speak of his own. He He will speak of me. He will reveal to you. He will speak. He will explain and clarify what I have told you. In other words, the, the role of the Spirit is going to be there to uh, essentially teach us what Jesus says. They, they're, they're one in, they are together. They, they speak the same. They're not uh, contradicting one another at all. Yeah, that, that's very interesting. Is it
2: permissible? I like add. that.
3: Is it permissible? The guy that uh, steals
2: a $1,000 from me to put him in prison for 10 years, is that permissible? Well, I don't know. That, uh, in see, I'm sh- picking that on okay, purpose. come on. I know you are. Come ahead. Because here's the point. My sense of uh, revenge, my sense of my sense of justice, yeah, sure. Yeah, never enough punishment, never. It's never enough punishment. I always do some more. Mm-hmm. But the point is that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says exactly the opposite and so we know and if you don't know that so let's say a guy shows up and says i'm the messiah and by gosh we're supposed to do this if you don't know that's not what the bible says and then you could be easily misled i personally think as i read the new testament and it says like in the end times so people will be misled and confused i think and I hate to say this, but I'm thinking... Is that the age you we're living in? Well, I, no, I'm thinking that people will be there because they don't know what it says anymore. Like when Harold called in and you all were talking, I think it may mean that uh, back then it was easier because people were... We were raised, we are taught, we learned to read and write from the Bible. and McGuffey's reader and all that business. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But now we don't know. So, if a person, as you were saying, said I'm Catholic, well, I knew what Catholics believed. I knew what Baptists believed. Pentecostals, I knew what they believed. So I could tell, but now I don't know.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: So, what happens is.
3: Um, <laughs> he got handed a note.
2: Yeah, John wanted to say, is that how occult leaders get a following? Mm. Of course it is, because yeah. people don't know. And so, but the point is, is that, so like I just gave you a very hard example. Like, for example, I'm taking it from the first chapter of the book of Judges. Remember? They catch the judge, and he had done, cut off 70 kings, big toes and big thumbs. Mm -hmm. Now, my sense of justice is pay that guy back. Let him know what he did. Pay him back. But is that what the Torah says? Is that what God's law says? Now, if I'm going to satisfy my own sense of lust as far as making my lust for my justice, then I'm good with that. But if that's not what God's law says, then how are you going to know? And that's one of the points. That's why I chose slavery before I'm choosing this one, because you don't know. That's why the book of Judges, that's your test. Because my first thing is, Mm -hmm. this guy's cut off 70 kings, thumbs and big toes. I'm saying, yeah, sure, he's got it coming, right? Seems fair to me. Notice my words, seems fair to me. But if we go back and we know that God's laws forbid maiming, you're not supposed to be like them, even though that satisfies your bloodlust. Yeah, the truth is, that's not God's justice. But if you don't know that, there's only one instance in the Torah in the Tanakh, in the Old Testament, mm-hmm. where somebody was held in custody, and that was only for overnight, until God told them what to do, and God had these other laws, like if somebody steals a thousand bucks from you, and you take ten years of their life for that, that's not what God said. He said they have to pay back the thousand or plus another yeah. thousand, mm-hmm. and if they don't have two thousand, they have to work off at least work off the one thousand, and during that time, you're supposed to teach them things. Now. I know somebody I come up with an example and say, "Oh well, maybe he's a vicious guy." Okay, well then maybe we got a different matter on our hands. But the point is, if you don't hmm. know, like when they say this is a Judeo-Christian country, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. I can tell you this: we're not doing what it says.
3: Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> you know what that reminds me of is, I remember there was a time a uh, young king Josiah, and um, and. W- came to rule he was eight years old when he came on the throne and i think as a teenager uh the scribes and the the, the priests were cleaning out the temple they had been boarded up and kind of left off the practice of sure, sure. Uh, worship and so and they found the copy of the of the law uh-huh yeah. and uh <clears throat> they brought it to him and he read it Boy, good example, goes, oh good example so he going. said Good we're example. not doing what it yeah. says, you know. There you go. That's it, a good example. So he read it to the people, and it, and and actually, it sparked a, um, a revival. One of the eight great revivals of the uh, of the Old Testament uh, became one of those. But even that was not universal. I mean, there was still uh, there was still. I mean that was the the leader and 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 the godly ones of, of the nation at the time, but there were others who were naysayers and didn't believe that and, and so on. The uh, same thing happened under another other king, Hezekiah. Is it Hezekiah? Yeah, they had he also had people go take the scriptures and teach right. the scriptures to the people and that's around the why land? What we call <laughs> in our
2: modern day vernacular, mm-hmm. we call sermon on the mount. <laughs> In Hebrew, it's called hakel. Don't worry about that. Mm-hmm. But it's an assembly. And every seven years, in the book of Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. the king, only the king can do this. Mm-hmm. So what Jesus is doing in the uh, see, and people don't really realize that, the Sermon on the Mount is not the Sermon on the Mount. It's not a first-time event with Jesus. It's from Deuteronomy. And every seven years, the king must stand up, and he reads the Bible to them. That's the king's job.
3: He teaches the law. Huh?
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. Mm-hmm. So. If you don't know this stuff, and like I was just telling you about in the like I say in the first chapter of Judges, seems fair to me. That's justice, pay the guy back. And I mean that's my best John Wayne response. Sure. But if I wanna control my John Wayne response and I say, wait a minute, it's my is not but this is not about me. And that's what Jesus means in chapter seven of Matthew, I believe, and of course I am right, of course. When he says, uh uh, judge not, lest you judge. Because for a law mm-hmm. you judge with, you'll be judged. Mm-hmm. He's not saying don't judge. Quite the contrary, he's saying judge, but you use God's laws. You don't make up your own, because the next guy'll make up his.
3: Yeah, and of course we've seen that exponentially. <laughs> People, uh, that, that's so when we're I, when so far removed from the ideal, from the original, the ideal uh, that, that, as I've often said the Bible describes a very messy world. I mean, it's it's particularly when you move from the the clarity of God's instructions to his, the people of Israel in, in the land of Israel and so on. The, and particularly when you take that out into the Gentile world and cultures and societies and who, I mean, it becomes so complex and so convoluted and so confusing uh, that, yeah, yeah, sure. You're talking about, well, is it right to, to put someone in jail or prison? And yet, I mean the idea that we 're going to somehow do away with you know bear county uh, <laughs> jail downtown you're not, you're or the prison system or but something here 's my thoughts it 's not if going we to happen.
2: try it one time let 's try it for a year let's try it for two years let 's see if it works. but the point is is that look and this is the and this is not my sayings this mm-hmm. is old Jewish teachings if I steal let 's say a thousand bucks from you. If I if I have the money, I give you the thousand plus an extra thousand. I do to myself what I did to you. Mm-hmm. If I don't have two thousand, then I just work off the one thousand. However, what's fascinating is this: is that uh, while I'm working, you're the victim, and you're supposed to teach me right from wrong. And so I'm being taught right from wrong. And see, this is the rationale. So let's say you got ten years in prison for it. Let's just say. Mm-hmm. What you've done is, I am not now the thief, you are the thief. You took something I didn't steal. I didn't steal 10 years of your life. I took $1,000 from you, and you stole 10 years of my life, and there will be a judgment for that. That's that's one way to look at it. I, uh, I, I'm that, not sure. And I, and I'm I can't sure. say,
3: oh, I see it, I agree with that 100 No, 100%, you can't say can. because
2: that's not our animal nature. And the truth is, we can't get around it. That is the Torah laws. Now, it, you have the victim, and I, it's hard for me. The victim, and it's very clear in Deuteronomy, uh, you're the victim. And I got to work off the thousand bucks. But while I'm working off the thousand bucks for you, because I'm giving back to you what I took from you, uh, so I'm giving back labor. And so what happens is while I'm doing that, you have to teach me the Bible, teach me right from wrong, and you were the victim. There's, and then it says, and then when you set me free, it says the most interesting, almost magical words. It says, and your brother shall be restored to you. He's no longer inferior. He, has, Your brother has been restored. The idea is that was God's laws. Okay, they don't work. We're not going to try them. I don't know if anybody's ever really tried them. But the truth is that's what it is. But if you didn't know that and somebody comes along and says, I'm the Messiah. Yeah, I know the Bible, boy, I know it, and I know you don't.
3: You know, it's it's interesting you say that, you know, because I often uh, tell people about the remarkable ministry that we're involved in uh, at Lackland Air Force yeah. Base, that we get a chance to deal with these. Thousands and thousands of young men and women joining, coming into the Air Force. And uh, we're, we are privileged to help present them their religious education classes so that they have their constitutional right to worship and to, to study God's word together if, if that's their desire. It's all voluntarily, of course. There are 17 different faith groups. But we have this remarkable <laughs> opportunity to do this. And uh, thousands attend and come and, and lives are changed and, and so on and so on. Uh, But just today, just this past week, in fact, I learned and I've always thought that, frankly, that we have one of the most fruitful ministries that I've ever known about and been involved in even over almost 50 years on the mission field uh, in terms of of people who are making the decision to trust God god and begin to to really get serious about following god and so on because and also the idea that others who have already made that decision but growing in their faith and getting stronger and so on i've always thought wow this is a remarkable thing we're getting to be a part of but you know there is a ministry that are seeing even more they are seeing even more uh, what what we evangelicals think of as faith decisions. Uh, you know, when Billy Graham gives an invitation to people to, to trust Christ and to to receive God's gift of salvation, you know, the invitation time that he uh, often gave in, on his crusades and all, uh, there is a ministry that is seeing even more decisions than even we are seeing, which we're, we're kind of—I've never known anybody to see the kind of—the uh, fruit that is— uh, that we're bearing in terms of the message of the gospel and people's response to it and you know what that ministry is Mm. the jail ministry right here in san antonio thousands hundreds and i've actually been involved for a decade i worked back in the 80s i worked at bear county going down two or three uh twice a week and then once a month for a whole day of worship service and and men and women in in Bear County and other they're so responsive and I've gone to other prisons and high security prisons and so on. That it's interesting what you say because there is an element of that that is taking place, in the sense that people are being taught and restored and given of a moral basis and a moral foundation to live their life on, and they're be, you know coming in rightly. I don't know if we're living up to the ideal in terms of people not having to suffer because, uh, you know, they were in jail. Now they can't well, get a job and they can't do th- you know, that sort of thing. Well, sure.
2: I, listen, some I, of that you, is, Let's just let's lock everybody up. Now, I don't want to come, by, come back to me and say, sure. during the week. well, you're saying turn all these prisoners loose. I am not saying yeah,
3: that. I know you're not. I, I, well,
2: I am saying this, that if you don't know what it says, I can tell you anything.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, I, I guess what I'm saying, too, is that maybe. In some ways, because of the residual effect of God's word and uh, the, the Bible on our culture as a society, it could be that even though you know we do have the idea of lockup and we do re- detain people, but there is also that element of seemingly there's this commitment to rehabilitation, to well, help people learn a trade. They're taught a trade. They're, they're taught the well, scriptures. Listen, there's they're never taught something that's, there. That's crap.
2: Number one, but I'm going to tell you something. They're not caught a trade? No, they're not, no. But okay. I will tell you this. There's, sometimes these laws are harsher because we're talking about what appears, what I'm saying, appears the same or leniency. But sometimes they're harsher than what we might do because the truth is this. If you kill, you die. That's God's laws. That's
1: uh-huh. the law.
2: Yeah. So don't I might say, either. well, let's just keep him in prison for mm-hmm. 30 years. Well, maybe that's a good thing. I don't know. Maybe. I'm just saying, but, you know, on the other hand, it does give even harsher things sometimes. Uh, raping a woman, it has got a pretty stiff penalty. Mm-hmm.
3: And uh, if you do other things, those penalties are there. Sometimes well, you were just mentioning there. to me something that Jesus said about children mm-hmm. in the passage where they said, you know, they brought a child to Jesus, he had it in his arms, and And you say, wow, Jesus announces a very harsh uh, about anyone who would harm this child, these children, and so on as well. Well, you know, the other thing. I guess punishment is still a part of the mix.
2: Well, you know, in John uh, 18 Uh and verse 15, I've only got a couple minutes left, but look at that. It says, look at 1815. It says, uh, Simon Peter was following Jesus. And there was another disciple. Doesn't say his name. Says another disciple. Now that disciple was known to the high priest, and he entered in with Jesus into the court of the high priest. This guy, whoever this disciple is, he now we know about Peter standing outside. He couldn't get in, right? Mm-hmm. He stood by this fire outside. It's a little chilly, I guess. And someone says, "Hey, wasn't you with him?" He says, "No, no, don't know him." But there's another guy that we don't catch here. Yeah, this guy goes in. And he's in that trial. Now, how could he get in if Peter can't? Would you like to
3: know the answer? Well, doesn't it give us the answer? He he knew somebody. It's more than knowing. As did another of the disciples. That other disciple was, would that be John? It is John because it says... It is the
2: disciple that laid his head on the breast of Jesus at the, at the Last Supper or Passover, and that was John. So it's a John, but why can John get in? And Peter, in the next verse, it says, but Peter was standing at the door outside. So the other mm-hmm. disciple who was known to the high priest went in and spoke to the doorkeeper. How could he get in? Why didn't Peter do that? Because Peter doesn't have some family member there. Who is John's father?
3: James and John, the sons of Zebedee?
2: You got it. The, there are, on the Sanhedrin, the top 12 guys, one of them is Zebedee. This is a personal fight with Zebedee and Jesus. He's, his boys, John and James, are being led away by this radical Jesus. And he can get in because he's known because his dad is one of the top 12 guys. And he gets in there. And so he was there present during the trial that we all know about with Jesus. He was in there with him, and he did not speak up. So, wow. Yeah, I know wow. And that's why I'm always trying to go to those kind of <laughs> verses. because That's, that's a
3: little explosive. <laughs> that, yes. I had never understood that John and James... Sure were sons of zebedee sons of of thunder they're called you
2: will find as you read the gospels who his dad is wasn't it their mother who was saying could my children sit at your right hand that's right the mother was asking he says well it's not mine to give uh, so that's there, but from that same passage you're referring to it tells us who Zebedee is, and he's one of the top toes. Now the Sanhedrin worked like this. The first ring was 12, the oldest, more wisest, most experienced. <laughs> the first ring. The second ring, the second ring, the 24, yeah. middle-aged, and the third ring would have three from each tribe, 36, 24, 12. On the inside, 12 would be like Zebedee. He was there. And I can see that this guy's thinking, you know, this radical guy, this Jesus, he's leading my boys astray. But right here, it's being, it's telling us that Peter, look at verse uh, 16, Peter stood at the door, he can't get in. But the other disciple, he got in.
3: Yeah, what gives it away to me is that other disciple, because... Often, when John is speaking of himself, he speaks of that other disciple whom Jesus well, few loved. Few verses says, later, for verses later, John
2: will say, and this other disciple was the one that laid his head on Jesus' chest at the Last yeah, Supper, or, the, or it was really the, the Passover. Other, mm-hmm. So we know it's John, and he's that? the son of Zebedee. And in the, the other book, it tells us Zebedee was on the top ring of the Sanhedrin. So he was in there. So Peter stands at the door. He does deny him. There's no issue about that. But also, John was in there and didn't say a word. But we know how he got in because his dad's one of the big shots. Now, see, that's something we don't stop and think about. We
3: <laughs> yeah, we really have to ponder that. That's food for thought, no doubt about it. And I think as well, later on, when after the resurrection, it's Peter and John that run to the tomb. And John goes on in the tomb, mm-hmm. whereas Peter waits at the door, if I remember sure. correctly. Uh, so. Yeah, well, that's an interesting uh, insight about. I, I did, and this is not. is This is the John that is laying on the Isle know, of Patmos. I don't even know
2: what tribe that John and J- uh, James was from.
3: They're not Levites, I assume. No, no,
2: no, no. They're, Zebedee? Zebedee is an adaptation of the word Zebulon. Uh-huh, so Zebulon, that's the okay. tribe they're from. Uh-huh. Why is that important? First... Ah, we're out of time, so we don't why know is Why is that, that important? That's important. Uh, just because of the, those, are the, those are one of the first two tribes that must be redeemed first, At any rate, uh, as I always like to say, always be the kind of
3: parent person you would like to have for a parent God bless you everyone. thanks for being with us tonight. See you next Sunday night.
5: Bible Live is dedicated to helping restore the Bible
3: to our culture and is brought to you by Crew Military Ministry. Mailing address is P.O. Box 18888. That's Box
1: 18888. San Antonio, Texas 78218.
0: Hear the entire Bible every year on The Bible Live, weeknights at 930 on this great station. Then join Soapy every Sunday evening at 9 o'clock for fun, inspiration, and valuable prizes on the the Bible Live Quiz Quiz Show. Visit our website, BibleLive.com. That's BibleLive.com for more information about Soapy and the Bible Live broadcast.
5: You may also order materials at the website and make tax-deductible donations to help crew military minister to our military personnel and broadcast the entire Bible every year to
2: America and the world.